Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The purpose of this podcast is to expose you to great people who are helping cats daily. Today, we are speaking with Sandy Montrose. Sandy's career began when she started volunteering at the local veterinary hospital. Little did she know that path would result in a diverse career in animal welfare. Bachelor of Science degree in animal technology from Quinnipiac University in hand, she landed her first job out of college with the state of Connecticut as a manager and technician for the Connecticut Spay-Neuter Clinic. She then served as a regional animal control officer, worked as a veterinary technician, and was the executive director for Meow Inc. in Litchfield, Connecticut. From 2001 to 2014, Sandy worked for the ASPCA in a variety of roles, and I would have to say that's a huge understatement. She was responsible for grants, outreach, relationships in the Northeast and U.S. territories, and she directed the ASPCA's Disaster Readiness Department and Disaster Response Team. In 2005, she became executive director of the newly formed Jackson Galaxy Foundation, which I think is totally cool. She's a past chair of the National Animal Rescue and Sheltering Coalition. She serves on the Connecticut Animal Population Control Program Advisory Council, is a member of the Connecticut State Animal Response Team, and a trustee of the Wiederhold Foundation. Sandy lives in Connecticut with her best buds, Chuba, Chicklet, and Bonsai. Sandy, I just can't tell you how awesome it is to have you here today. I'm really, really excited to have you on the show, and thank you so much for coming on board and um, being part of the show. Oh, shucks, Stacey. Thanks. It's, it's a pleasure to be here and to be talking with you. So I went through your bio there. Were there any bits and pieces that you'd like to expand upon on your history, what you've done, anything else you'd like to share? <laughs> you know, it, it makes me sound pretty old. I, I think I started early. I started as a kid, as, as you said. I started with a, a brownie badge. I started volunteering at the local vet hospital when I was about seven just to get a badge for brownies and then they somehow never left. I never really considered anything else as a career and fortunately after many years of doing two jobs to work with animals, I can now make a, a relatively decent living at it. Wonderful, wonderful. But it was just that first step as a child that got you directed in on this path. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I think as a kid, we had pets of all kinds, and I do remember it was this cat I had named Mittens, and she had this litter of kittens in the garage, one of which had a deformed paw. And then one day I came home to find out that my dad had taken all of the kittens to a friend's farm. And I knew the farm. I knew, that, you know, I knew where they went. But it was sort of this justice thing that they didn't deserve that, and especially the, the little one with the paw. So I think that was probably the moment that I became an animal advocate in earnest. That sounds great. Um, part of what this show is about, too, is trying to convince others that they can make a difference in the lives of cats in their communities, too. And for us who have been in the business for many years, it all did just always start out with that one cat or that one situation that made us get committed to the cause, so to speak. Yeah, I think exactly. I think it starts it starts with a passion somehow. Um, the, you know, the goal hopefully is to put some, some logic and some strategy behind that passion. And that's, that, I think that's the hard part, part for a lot of us because it's much easier to just jump in. Then it's harder to look past the immediate at what's the long range goal and how do we get there. Now that you're working with Jackson Galaxy, my assumption is you have a fondness for cats. So when you were thinking about your career, did you try and think about what direction you wanted to go? Did you find that uh, spay neuter was a good focus? 
Yeah, that was my first job out of college, and I was lucky enough to to sort of land that job with the state of Connecticut. It was really sort of the first animal welfare job, and you learn so much by everything you do. And at the spay-neuter clinic, I saw so many people come in the door that were so passionate about their animals, but they didn't necessarily have the means or the knowledge that they needed. It was great to work and see all of the people that really care about their animals in, in different ways. And looking back over the last 25 years of work, what would you say would be your greatest impact? It's such a hard question because I've been fortunate to be sort of at the beginning of many worthwhile initiatives. You know, I worked with the ASPCA. We worked in, in the first partner community that the ASPCA had in Philadelphia. I was involved in Hurricane Katrina, worked in disaster response, worked in relocation of, of dogs and animals. And now I'm, I feel so fortunate to be able to direct the beginning stages of the Jackson Galaxy Foundation. But if, like, if I had to choose my greatest impact over the years, I think it's been being a colleague, a friend, a mentor to, and a student from all of the people that are in our movement. You know, I, I, I truly believe that we all carry an important piece. And if we work together, then not only do we sort of exemplify a humane world, but we all get farther. So I think that's probably the greatest impact I've had is just being a part of the team, being a part of a really important team. So you're actually saying working together with the people has really been a very significant part of your career. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it has been. And I, I miss working hands-on with animals because I did that, obviously, as a vet tech and in my early career. But what I found is that I can impact animals more by working with the people who are, who are doing stuff on the ground all over the U.S. So that's sort of the nice thing, both about, you know, especially about working for the Jackson Galaxy Foundation. There's a lot of people and organizations that are interested in partnering, and I find that piece to be really exciting to help them work better in their community. So you, as you talk about the Jackson Galaxy Foundation, tell us a little bit more about how long it's been around and what it does and what the mission of it is. The foundation got its 501c3 at the end of 2014, and um, I sort of came on as the first real person, real staff person, in um, April of last year, actually a little bit over a year ago. The mission is to better the lives of at-risk animals by transforming the places they live and by helping the people who care for them. So we focus on programs that drive innovation, that promote improved shelter design and construction, and provide knowledge to inspire and empower staff, rescuers, and adopters to continually raise the bar for the animals that they are engaged with. I think that piece is sort of a little different and pretty important, and it it comes from Jackson's vision. He really was a shelter guy at heart, and he was fortunate enough to be at organizations where when he had an idea, they said, yeah, let's try that, as opposed to, oh, we can't do that. Oh, we tried that. Oh, that won't work. They said, let's try it. So that's how he ended up where he where he is, being sort of empowered to raise the bar. And so that's what we hope to do for the people that we um, connect with who impact animals every day. So are you referencing the, the new initiative in working with nine other shelters, or are you talking about some previous work that he's done? Before there was a foundation, he's obviously been working uh, as an advocate of organizations all over the U.S., He's been able to lend his name to many organizations to help them get some 
you know, some notoriety and some attention, and I think he'll continue to do that. Our big excitement this year is the new initiative, which is Cat Positive. Really, the premise behind that is that a mentally stimulated and engaged cat is a happier cat and more easily adopted in a shelter setting. So Jackson and the Foundation teamed up with three amazing animal behavior experts, and we've created this positive reinforcement or quicker training program for cats in the shelter setting. So we chose nine shelters, and it's really it's a mix of shelters from large to small all over the country. They've already been through two training webinars, and they're now starting to clicker train cats in their facilities. The three trainers are serving as mentors as well, so the groups have dedicated Facebook pages, they have regular calls with their trainer mentor, and we also have been fortunate enough to have Kay Green from Faunalytics helping us collect um, some data. Because what we'd like to see is, what's the difference between the length of stay in the cats that have had the clicker training versus the con- a-, a control group of cats? Do they get out the door quicker? And if we can show that there is some positive impact there, then, you know, I think we start to change the bar about what happens for cats in shelters. Because, you know, many, many larger organizations have behaviorists. Oftentimes, they're working with the dogs and not necessarily the cats. Giving a little bit of positive reinforcement to the cats is going to make them so much more intrepid. And so, you know, so we're hoping that it's going to show um, that they get out the door quicker. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. The Community Cats Podcast is generously sponsored by the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, one of the nation's pioneers in successful TNR programs. In 1992, in response to a persistent feral and homeless cat population along the Merrimack River in Newburyport, MRFRS began a concerted effort to trap, sterilize, and return a colony of over 300 cats, setting up and maintaining feral feeding stations. That colony was successfully reduced to zero cats by 2008. Today, MRFRS's activities include two mobile, low-cost spay-neuter vans known as the Catmobile, an adoption program with a focus on special needs and hard-to-place cats, veterinary assistance programs for low-income individuals as well as unowned cats, and mentoring for local animal welfare organizations seeking to improve their TNR effectiveness. For more information, visit www.mrfrs.org. One of the things that, uh, or one of my sort of key issues is the gray area cats that may not be feral cats needing to be totally returned, but yet maybe on the shire side, they'll have a little bit of some behavioral concerns. Um, and I, I find our traditional shelters may not prepare to deal with that larger population that's starting to walk through the doors and in many shelters in the Northeast, at least. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that the positive reinforcement training is not necessarily just for, you know, a cat to do a high five. It can be used for the the cats that are more timid. The moment that, let's say, they start to relax or they start to blink, then that's a positive thing. So then they get a click and a treat. So if we can start to make them feel just a little bit more comfortable in their environment, then that even puts them closer to being, you know, considered for an adoption. So I think you're absolutely right, especially in the Northeast, the challenges with the, quote, harder to adopt cats are going to continue to increase as we, you know, as we do some damage with, you know, with spay and neuter. Just for the general public who may not know exactly what clicker training is, could you describe what that is? (laughs) Yeah, I can, only because I've watched the webinars. But it's... um, 
it's a bit of a, a conditioning where if an animal does something positive, then they get a click, which is a sound that happens immediately when they do the positive thing. And then after that, they get a treat. So the cats that are engaged in this have to be either food motivated or play motivated. So there has to be some kind of treat. But it's sort of like, and our behaviorists described it so well, it's sort of like if you have a camera and you see something good, you click the shutter and there's that click. And then after that, you give a treat. So the combination of the sound and the treat helps the animals to understand when they hear that click, ah, I did something right. So then they start to try to do that behavior more often so that they hear that click and then get that treat. I always wonder how responsive cats are versus to dogs with clicker training, but I have heard people say that it's very successful. So obviously it sounds like it, it has worked out well. Yeah, so far the results from the, from the shelters that we've worked with and, and certainly from the experience of the behavior, the trainer mentors that we're working with has all been positive. The goal would be to have a cat that is motivated by food or by play because you can use play as the treat as well. It's just a, you know, a little bit, a little bit more challenging to get to that point. But as long as you have an animal that's motivated by the treat, then they can understand, okay, I do this and then I get, I get the good thing. Is uh, clicker training for cats going to become a popular trend with her own cats? I hope so. One of the things that we're doing with the nine organizations that are doing this program is we're sending home um, some information for the people who adopt these cats about clicker training. So I think, you know, there's a lot of information out there. I, uh, there's YouTube videos, etc., and we'll be having some more information up on our website as the program goes along and on our Facebook page. But I do think it's something that you can do. I mean, I've been, I, I, I sort of haphazardly do it with my cats and certainly can get them to do a high five now. And, and I'm not, I'm not the expert in it at all. So after we adopt our cats out, we then will have people back to continue to do clicker training with their cats. Like we have uh, puppy schools, we'll have kitty schools. I, I hope so. There have been a couple of organizations that have done that. It's a little more challenging because obviously it's easier to bring a dog than it is to bring a cat. But um, if they can learn some things at home, then then I think that's it's still pretty cool. One other question with regards to Jackson Galaxy and his interest. What are his thoughts with regards to community cats and you know providing a, an environment for them? And what, what are his beliefs around community cats and how they should be treated? Interesting that you mentioned that because this year in his show, My Cat from Hell, there are um, three episodes that are related to animal welfare. They're not sort of the typical him going to someone's house to help them, you know, to help with their problem cat. And two of them are on TNR efforts. One is in California and the other one's in New York. And he's so excited about having the opportunity to touch on animal welfare issues in the show. And again, TNR was sort of the big deal for him. He feels very strongly about community cats. He and his wife, his wife in particular, is a community cat person and she manages a variety of colonies, I think, in LA. So, you know, he's 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 a great supporter of um, of community cat initiatives for sure. I'm sure he probably would have ideas on feeding stations for them and, you know, how to have them be comfortable in the environment. I know that just with anyone, there's always lots of ideas of what the needs are for community cats out there and different types of feeding station styles. And we used to have 
people dreaming about solar panels on feeding stations in the north so that then they could get heated and all that other stuff. So, um, you know, the sky's the limit with regards to taking care of our community cats out there. In one of the episodes, um, the one that's in New York, you know, I think he downloaded some plans and had had his production staff go build a couple of a couple of um, housing units for the cats that are living in that neighborhood. We've also been talking about what we might want to do around colony housing or feeding stations for cats in connection with Feral Cat Day in October. Fun. We'll see. We'll see. You know, <laughs> I'm pull that one out of the parking lot. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, National Feral Cat Day is a special day. I believe it's October 16th, um, and it's a a great day for us all to uh, celebrate feral cats. And the fact that we are doing so much for them, and we continue to do more for them everywhere across the country as the word spreads. In terms of the foundation and the work that you're doing with the foundation, are there specific things that people can do to help support the foundation or to help you, help Jackson Galaxy be able to do more? How, How can we help you more? Of course, donations are always welcome, um, and that's the lifeblood of any nonprofit organization. We have information on jacksongalaxyfoundation.org. We have a Facebook page, and I think what is the easiest thing to do is to sort of, you know, get on the Facebook page, like the Facebook page, share the information with your own network of people, because I think, again, it, it's about community in all in all, so the more information and the more good news and positive stories we get out about what's happening in animal welfare, then the more we start to sort of change the dynamic. That sounds great. The website, again, is jacksongalaxyfoundation.org. Yeah. Is there um, anything else that you'd like to share with our, our listeners today? No, not really. I mean, I think I think I, I was, thank you for the good questions because I was lucky to touch on everything that I really wanted to. I mean, again, I think... This is a movement. We have done so much in a short period of time, even though it doesn't feel like it. And we know that animals are still suffering and dying on the streets and in shelters. But the strides that we've made over the years that I've been in this industry are incredible. And, you know, the sky's the limit for what we can do next. And one last question. If you are just starting out today in animal welfare or just someone who wants to help rescue a kitty that they see on the street, what advice would you give that person? You know, I'd probably say to reach out to your local organizations and more than one of them. Reach out to a few of them and find out what they're doing and then find out what resonates with you, what, what piece resonates the most with you and where you can contribute. So share with your friends, depend on others for help and assistance. Don't do it all alone. That's the, the moral to the story. Yeah, and, and volunteer and jump in. Jump in someplace volunteer, get to learn um, about an organization. Don't think you have to start from scratch. Pretty much everything has already been done or bits and pieces of it has been done. And um, it's definitely good to reach out and ask for help. So I, I agree with that one. Definitely. I think the only thing I'd add too is that if you have an idea, because everything, you know, everything is being done, but yet there's always a new way to do something. And there's always something novel. So don't hesitate to ask the questions and to come up with the ideas. No matter how many times people say, oh, yeah, we tried that. Keep going at it because it might be the idea that makes that makes a big change. And look at what Jackson does. I mean, what, 10 years ago, if somebody suggested him doing a show like he does, would people have thought about that or 15, 20 years ago? 
so thinking outside of the box, and I wonder what animal welfare is going to look like 10 years down the line. I think that we are in for probably more changes in the next 10 years than we've even seen in the last 10 years. It'll be interesting to see how it takes shape. You and your organization have been responsible for many positive changes in the industry, and I hope that the Jackson Galaxy Foundation can do the same. We're planning on it, that's for sure. I hope so. I think knowing you and knowing, knowing the team, it sounds like it's, it's set up for some great success. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. If you email me a screenshot of your review with your name and address and your t-shirt size, I will send you a Community Cats t-shirt. The reviews really help. Thanks, everybody. Wow.